Staving off a wash of dizziness, I sat up. I was wearing different clothes. I'd been in jeans and a t-shirt. Now I wore a black cocktail dress, a sheath that fell just below my knees, and three-inch high black heels. That made me a 27-year-old attack victim, clean and absurdly scar-free, wearing a cocktail dress that wasn't mine. I knew then and there that they'd made me one of them. The Chicagoland Vampires. It had started eight months ago with a letter, a kind of vampire manifesto first published in the Sun-Times and Trib, and then picked up by papers across the country. It was a coming out, an announcement to the world of their existence. Some humans believed it was a hoax, at least until the press conference that followed, in which three of them displayed their fangs. Human panic led to four days of riots in the Windy City, and a run on water and canned goods sparked by public fear of a vampire apocalypse. The feds finally stepped in, ordering congressional investigations, the hearings obsessively filmed and televised in order to pluck out every detail of the vampire's existence. And even though they'd been the ones to step forward, the vamps were tight-lipped about those details. The fang-bearing, blood-drinking, and night-walking, the only facts the public could be sure about. Eight months later, some humans were still afraid. Others were obsessed with the lifestyle, with the lure of immortality, with the vampires themselves. In particular, with Selena de Solonay, the glamorous, windy city she-vamp who apparently orchestrated the coming out, and who'd made her debut during the first day of the congressional hearings. Selena was tall and slim and sable-haired, and that day she wore a black suit snug enough to give the illusion that it had been poured onto her body. Looks aside, she was obviously smart and savvy, and she knew how to twist humans around her fingers. To wit, the senior senator from Idaho had asked her what she planned to do now that vampires had come out of the closet. She'd famously replied in dulcet tones, I'll be making the most of the dark. The 20-year congressional veteran had smiled with such dopey-eyed lust that a picture of him made the front page of the New York Times. No such reaction from me. I'd rolled my eyes and flipped off the television. I'd made fun of them, of her, of their pretensions. And in return, they'd made me like them. Wasn't karma a bitch? Now they were sending me back home, but returning me differently notwithstanding the changes my body had endured, they'd glammed me up, cleaned me of blood, stripped me of clothing, and repackaged me in their image. They killed me, they healed me, they changed me. That tiny seed, that kernel of distrust of the ones who'd made me, rooted. I was still dizzy when the limousine stopped in front of the Wicker Park brownstone I'd shared with my roommate, Mallory. I wasn't sleepy, but groggy, mired in a haze across my consciousness that felt thick enough to wade through. Drugs, maybe, or a residual effect of the transition from human to vampire. Mallory stood on the stoop, her shoulder-length ice-blue hair shining beneath the bare bulb of the overhead light. She looked anxious, but she seemed to be expecting me. She wore flannel pajamas patterned with sock monkeys. I realized it was late. The limousine door opened, and I looked toward the house and then into the face of a man in a black uniform and cap who'd peeked into the back seat. Ma'am, 
He held out a hand expectantly. My fingers in his palm, I stepped onto the asphalt, my ankles wobbly in the stilettos. I rarely wore heels, jeans being my preferred uniform. Grad school didn't require much else. I heard a door shut. Seconds later, a hand gripped my elbow. My gaze traveled down the pale, slender arm to the bespectacled face it belonged to. She smiled at me, the woman who held my arm, the woman who must have emerged from the limo's front seat. Hello, dear. We're home now. I'll help you inside, and we'll get you settled. Grogginess making me acquiescent, and not really having a good reason to argue anyway, I nodded to the woman, who looked to be in her late fifties. She had a short, sensible bob of steel-gray hair, and wore a tidy suit on her trim figure, carrying herself with professional confidence as we progressed.